Grandpa? Yeah. Am I pretty? Olive? You are the most beautiful girl in the whole world. Yeah, you're just saying that. No, I'm not. I'm madly in love with you. And it's not because of your brains or your personality. It's because you're beautiful, inside and out. Grandpa? What? I don't want to be a loser. You're not a loser. Where'd you get the idea you're a loser? Dad hates losers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up a minute. You know what a loser is? A real loser is somebody that's so afraid of not winning, they don't even try. Now, you're trying, right? Yeah. Well, then you're not a loser. We're going to have fun tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. We can tell them all to go to hell. Good night, sweetie. I love you. Chris Kalser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first run, Matt and I are attempting to turn back the clock one more time as Harrison Ford returns for a final adventure in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Is there any gas left in Indy's tank, Matt? And do we really need to know why Nazis are bad? Do we have to explain that at this point? Should we just have let the franchise end with the Last Crusade like we all agreed to back in 1989? There's going to be the rejuvenated rundown of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD pick of the week, and or picks. And then uh, Matt and I are going to close out the show with our five favorite Indiana Jones scenes. So this is going to be a live episode, folks. As you already, I've already what bungled twice in this opening, but since we have no time, summer's upon us. It's a live one, so enjoy it. And um, let's crack that whip, Matt, one more time. Crack that whip. You. Have we met? No. My memory's a little fuzzy, but your face rings a bell. Are you still a Nazi? <laughs> You're confused. My name is Schmidt. Professor Schmidt of Alabama University. Professor Schmidt. How nice to meet you in person. Sup, man. 150. After our conversation, Michelle, I thought we'd come to an agreement about the dialogue. Funny, the last time I saw the other guy who looks like you, he was also after this. Your numbers were light, Professor Schmidt, but good news is you're here now. The bid is one You don't seem to understand, Michelle. This relic is my property. It's not yours. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. The bid is 160. 160. 170. You should have stayed in New York. 170. You should have stayed out of Poland. 170. Anyone? Anyone? Going! Going! Gone! <laughs> that sounds like a lot of high drama right there, man. And uh, clearly, Indy's gone woke. Not only do we have a jab at capitalism, we have a strong, competent female character that is not a damsel in distress, nor is she a love interest. My governor would be furious. Mm. Matt, what is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny all about? Well, uh, Indiana Jones is in the twilight of his career. He is getting ready to retire from teaching. And um, he is alone when a woman shows up. Uh, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who turns out to be his goddaughter, and tells him that she is looking for the Dial of Archimedes. I forget what the actual name that they use many, many times throughout the film. 
But anyway, he gives her his, his piece of it, and she then makes off with it. And of course, he can't let something like that go. It belongs in a museum. So there you go. I think it's called the Antikythera. And sure. Uh, Antikythera. That sure. sounds about right. Mm-hmm. It does. It does belong in a museum. Matt, dag, gum it. I'm going to clap, which you're not supposed to do in podcasting. <laughs> really? I think he pulled it off. Mm. What are your thoughts about Dial of Destiny? You know what? It's not bad. Compared no, it's to not. compared to what we got in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, miles, miles ahead of, of Crystal Skull. Um, you know, it, it has its moments. I, I would put it pretty close. I don't know if it surpasses Temple of Doom to me. But Ooh. on a good Ooh. day, you might be able to. I don't. I don't love Temple of Doom, but this is not bad at all. Like I was expecting something really unbearable, and I think this has, in its positive corners, I think uh, Harrison Ford is is pretty game, really playing up his grumpiness. Mm-hmm. I think Phoebe Waller Bridge is a delight. Uh, Mads makes a compelling villain, or at least a fun one, uh, which is really all that you can hope for. If I had one detraction, it's noticeably missing that Indiana Jones magic a little bit. But mm-hmm. o- but overall, I think uh, I had a pretty good time with this. I agree. And one of my first notes is it may not necessarily look or kind of feel like an indie film. Mm-hmm. I think generally the spirit of it is there. And I think out of all of them, it's the emo- it's the most emotionally authentic in mm-hmm. deep of, the, of any of the films. Mm-hmm. This is the first Danny Jones film where I actually almost cried. There is a scene where Harrison Ford kind of does delivery and explains why he is separated from his wife. And Matt, it really, it's a tearjerker. It really grabs you. And I was mm-hmm. really impressed with it. And I agree with you. I think it is superior to Crystal Skull. Now, I rewatched the OG and then I rewatched Temple. Mm-hmm. I got about halfway through Last Crusade. I just plumb right out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've turned on Temple of Doom. I um, now it's I think it's problem is they're all for the most part, except for, of course for Crystal Skull, which I think still has its merits, mm-hmm. but feels like somebody trying to make an Indiana Jones movie who doesn't quite understand it, mm-hmm. which. Doesn't make sense considering the creative powers behind that film, (laughs) but still, where like I'll give you a good example. There is a call, a couple callbacks in this film that really work. They're emotional. There, there are some jokes and stuff, but it it really comes together. And unfortunately, the old film, like Crystal Skull, it feels like pandering. Here's the example: the the skulls, the arc homage. When he's going through the factory, right, and there's like a, a jab about the uh, the arc, felt very pandering, very much. This is this is throwing one out for the audience, right? Mm-hmm. But we have a similar thing in this film, and I think that actually it actually worked. Right. And a part of me think a lot of this lays due to I think Harrison Ford's performance, which I think is engaging. I got to admit, Matt, I was concerned he's going to sleepwalk with this thing. But he doesn't. I think he explores some, as I said, some real emotional depth we haven't seen in the character before. And I also want to praise Phoebe Waller-Rich. I think that um, she is quite good in this as well as his goddaughter, who has her own reasoning for why she's after the device. She's not as pure as an actor as you're kind of led to believe in the trailers, which I think allows us to give her a little more depth Mm -hmm. and a little more engaging and interesting of a character. 
So, um, yeah, I think it pays homage to the original beats really well, like I said, and it never feels like it's pandering like some of the stuff in Crystal Skull did. I think it's a tell, it's a tasteful, well-crafted update of the original run. Mm-hmm. And I th- I'm not sure what else to say, Matt. It's it's it, I think one of the big things that I think works too is Mangold, I mean there's no way around it, is the focusing on older Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I think that in a world that's passed him by that he doesn't know where his place is now. He's separated from his family. He's retiring, right? And you really, I get that feeling from him in this film. It's its not just a plot device to set up, oh, he's older now, so we got to kind of, no, it really feels authentic the way he's engaging with his friends and coworkers and all this stuff. And yeah, if I had any complaints in it, I think some of the action, the way it's shot is middling, to okay, right? If I had any complaints, I don't know, I think that. I don't have any issues with the big swing at the end. Let's be clear, folks. Every one of these films has had a really just bonzo, gonzo, nuts ending to it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? And this one does too. And I had no interest. I mean, I had no concerns with it. I think it totally worked um, well. Matt, I've thrown a lot at you and I have some other questions. What are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I, I think I agree with most of what you're saying. I think um, I had no problem with the kind of magical part of it i mean if anything i was more annoyed at nd trying to say he's a scientist and what she's talking about makes no sense and it's like okay but you saw the ark of the covenant melt some dudes faces and you saw uh, a 700 year old knight and the holy grail and you know glowing right. uh and stones like you've seen all these things right and but this is a bridge too far and i think that's the, that's the only thing that my only critique of the entire plot device of that but I think overall, I, you know, I think Mangold does his a fine enough job to kind of mirror Spielberg style. Now it's it's mm-hmm. not quite the same, like you no. said. The action's not quite there. It's not quite as funny as some of the past um, entries have been. You know, it doesn't have that kind of sense of Spielbergian whimsy and kind of all shucksness of it. Uh, but that's okay. I think it's it fits for what you're doing with with Indiana Jones. He's a crotchety, run-down, you know, tired old man, and it kind of fits the beats. I But I, I, I agree. I think some of the action scenes really work. I thought, like, the, um, the what are they, like, motorcycles that go through Morocco? I thought that was a pretty fun car chase. Um, yeah. But, you know, other things maybe fall a little bit flat. Maybe when they're chasing him and he's on the horse and the parade and all that kind of stuff. So... Overall, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm a little bummed that it's not doing a really well box yeah. office wise. Um, that disappoints me. I am really disappointed in nerd culture and just kind of this knee jerk reaction to kind of go against everything. And it doesn't seem like, especially with this film, it's it's warranted at all. Like you can argue with me about other things, and I may agree with you. Like. The Witcher is not good. I mean, that's just the way that is, but it's not for anything that, you know, what changes they made. It's just they just don't do a good job. But here, I think there's nothing to complain about, really. I mean, minor nitpicks, but nothing that you can't enjoy. And it really disappoints me that uh, the fandom is really turned against this film. And it really disappoints me. Again, you know, I don't know if they were selling it up for PWB to kind of have her own version of indie later on. 
Um, but I mean, this thing isn't making any money, so I can't see that that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be disappointing. I, I'd be interested in something like that. I mean, they she has her own short round as well, right? Mm-hmm. And it's right. they do. Kind of, I don't. I don't feel necessarily that they were setting up for an expansion for mm-hmm. her. Um, it's possible, but I didn't. It didn't certainly didn't feel forced. So, do you think we don't have Shia LaBeouf in mm-hmm. the film? And there's an explanation as to why. Do you think his character gets legitimized a little bit more, a little redeemed in your eyes for um, his told yeah. upon arc? Yeah, I th- I think so. I mean, that fits for me. I mean, I didn't hate Shia LaBeouf in the the Crystal Skull. I mean, he was just kind of a, a presence. He was just there, you know. So I mean, it's fine. I didn't really think that much about him. Um, so it didn't one way or the other. I just, but I do glad that they kind of explained his absence and they put it like an integral part of the plot. It wasn't just kind of like a throwaway thing. Yeah, agreed. And then finally, I want to ask your thoughts on the opening of the film. When we have the CGI'd Harrison Ford, from what I understand, basically they had so many images of his face from the mm-hmm. films over the years that they were able to basically recreate a performance for him, and that's what we get for the first basically what twenty minutes, mm-hmm. where we get the. Um, I want to get this right, Matt. You ready? Hold on. Let's see if I can nail it this time. The Antikythera. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the origin of that and where it came from, at least the Nazi part and Harrison Ford Indy's first interaction with. With, uh, um, good Lord, why am I blanking on the guy's name? Mads, Mads is a Nazi character. Right. How did it look to you, Matt? So there are parts of it where it looks like, it looks like it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Like it looks almost flawless, but then other times he'll move or they'll get like a profile shot and it won't look quite right. It looks kind of doughy. And then you run into the same thing that you ran into with the Irishman that he's, He's obviously an 80-year-old man. He's, he's, he's not spry like he used to be, and he looks very stiff and very kind of uh, immobile, um, not, as, you know, not as limber as he used to be. So that kind of takes about a little bit out of it as well. What I don't get is why they don't just, you know, if they're going to go to all that trouble, why didn't they just get a younger guy, put the face on it, and have Harrison Ford dub it? I mean, that seems to make more sense to me. Oh, I kind of... What do you mean, like do another film, but have it be set in the past and do a whole thing? No, just meaning like if they're going to go to the trouble of de-aging Harrison Ford, like why wouldn't they just put his face onto like a somebody who is a close approximation as much younger and then like just using his voice for no, those see, scenes? I was under the impression that that's what they did. Is that they had a younger actor there? They digitally put Harrison Ford's oh, okay. face on it and had him dub it. Because it said okay. Ford had said in interviews, I guess that they had so many digital, you know cells of me that yeah. they're able to recreate yeah. i don't think it was like what do you mean like they had harrison ford d de- they didn't de-age him yeah. my understanding is that they just digitally put his face over somebody yeah i thought it was like a I, I got the impression watching it that it was like a robert de niro situation where because he looks stiff like he looks like the way he moves this mm-hmm. younger actor moves like someone who's an octogenarian i mean he he looks like he's like he's one fall and he's going to break a hip. Like he's not moving like you would, like you would think, uh, you know, Indy from when he was 35 would be. That's interesting. I didn't really get that that much at all. Let me see no. here. So Ford was digitally de-aged. Oh, so maybe you're right. So the de-aging process used several techniques such as new software from ILM, which looked through an archived footage of a younger Ford. This previous Lucasfilm, this from the use of Star Wars films. Ford was somewhat spooked by the de-aging process, was nonetheless impressed. 
They also de-aged Mickelson for the opening sequence through a different method. All right, so I guess I'm wrong. That's weird. I wouldn't. Why wouldn't they just do it the other way then? So that, well, because you want to. I guess because you want Ford in the role, right? Right. Maybe that's what it is. So I'm wrong, and that's right. Everybody, write down the date and time. It uh, it is actually occurred. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I think it works. There are a couple times when it kind of feels like a video game cutscene, uh, but not too often. So I think, and I had read online too. There's a critic I follow on Twitter. He said it works much better a second time. You kind of eyes adjust to it. You you kind of forgive it a little bit, and it works right. a little bit better a second time. So there you go, Matt. Um, so we'll, I want to touch quickly, too. Temple. Yeah. That may be my second favorite film now of the series. Really? Yeah. It feels like it's like it's one thing that really hit me is that it's not a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. That is an adult Indiana Jones film because mm-hmm. it is some really scary, violent stuff in that film that I think I didn't really feel the full impact of until I rewatched it with my 4K set here. Mm-hmm. It does. It feels like a whole other beast. I mean, it has all the fantasy stuff. It has the adventure, all that stuff, but it is a, a couple ticks more violent, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I think I'm going now Raiders, Temple, Crusade, Dial, Crystal Skull. What would you do? I would flip uh, Temple the third. I think Last Crusade's still the second best film in the in the franchise. I I've watched it, so I have Showtime. I've watched they play them back to back to back, and I can't tell you how many times over the past month. Like they'll be, I'll be flipping through and I'll be like, oh, all right, I'm just gonna leave this on, and then I've seen it. You know, and I think you're right. It's better than I give it credit for when I was younger, but I still think Last Crusade's a better film. Crusade just feels m- more safe to me in more wide audience crowd pleasy. And Temple of Doom, I feel actually takes some risks, and I think maybe that's why I like it more now. Yeah, I think. Well, I think part of it is I like the MacGuffin better in 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 uh, Crusade. In Crusade, I think it's it has more of a kind of a lore legendy aspect to it um, that seems more weighty. I think you know uh, Sean Connery brings a lot of kind of brings a lot to the to the the role. Um, I was never a big fan of Kate Capshaw in in Temple of Doom. I don't think she's particularly good. So I think there's just more for, you know, even though I think you're right, I think Ford overall may be better as Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom prequel, which still blew my mind when I learned about it, that that's actually before Raiders. Yeah. 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 All right, Matt, here we go. Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, B plus for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B plus as well. There you go. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, getting released this upcoming Tuesday. Matt, where are we? Good Lord. We're talking now July 11th. Ooh, my birthday's coming up, folks. Mm, boy. A few more weeks. Make sure you get me something nice. Uh, this is getting its 4K release from Scream Factory, one of my favorite lesser-known slashers from the 80s. We'll see if Matt's even seen it next. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, if you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. Sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. Build us a hot fire. Don't be wrong. And if you're thinking about being with someone but no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. Ride out! I will return! I will have my revenge! 
Matt, have you ever seen The Burning? I haven't, but it sounds like uh, either Edgar Wright or the people who wrote The Burning have a case for against Edgar Wright. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so no, it actually fe- features Jason Alexander. And oh, it's really? a uh, slasher sent at, set at a uh, camp, right? And uh, years ago, oh, I haven't been watching so long. Is he a counselor? Is he the, like the groundskeeper? Mm. Anyway, there's an accident and his cabin burns up. He burns up in it and is thought to be dead. Wink. Mm-hmm. And the camp ca- the kids come back and then he starts killing them all one by one. It's got some really good gore shots in it. The makeup effects are very good. And if you're a slasher fan, you'll really enjoy the burning. Again, being released this upcoming Tuesday uh in 4k i have the blu-ray uh, there's no need for me to upgrade the 4k mm. for the burning but uh there you go man all right let's go number five number five we're gonna have are you there god it's me margaret finally being ad- adapted uh walmart has a retro three disc package i think it kind of looks like a trapper keeper type mm. thing okay. uh and i couldn't really find out any other details on it though from what i understand it's actually supposed to be pretty good so after that four Sisu, the oh, Norwegian? It's Norwegian, right? Mm, I don't know. Finnish? Finnish? I, I think it is Finnish. Uh, yeah. It's crazy Swedes. Uh, so Sisu is a basically a one-man John Wickian army set in the at the end of World War II. This, he's, uh, he's a former Finnish. We said Finnish? Is that what we decided yeah. on? Yeah, we decided on Finnish. Soldier. Um, basically a one-man killing machine. He's retired and he's he's speculating for gold comes across a nazi battalion on their way back and gets attacked and proceeds to slowly take them all out it's it's good enough mm-hmm. it has some good nazi carnage some gore matt and i i think you we were both kind of just un, not unimpressed but we were just a little disappointed because we were, we were a little, expecting a little more yeah we were a little underwhelmed by what we got it's it's good but we were expecting something that we were absolutely gonna love i think we sold it too high in our own minds yeah. Uh, after that, get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Huh? It's a twofer from Criterion. They're releasing the Watermelon Woman with a 2K restoration, uh, featuring new interviews with the director Cheryl Dunne, as well as six early short firms of her, as well as Marty Scorsese's After Hours with a brand new 4K restoration on that one. That will be a 4K disc there, though there will be a Blu-ray as well. Uh, documentary about the making of films, some deleted scenes, a 2004 commentary featuring Scorsese, Scorsese his editor, uh, Shootmaker, and some more people as well. So uh, I've never seen After Hours, but I always heard it's really good. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, no. We got to get on that, Matt. And then um, that was three, right? So let's go with number two. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Matt, we said we were going to do it, and now we are going to have to do it at some point. Bo is Afraid is uh, being released on Blu-ray. The reason why I didn't have it at number one is because I I haven't seen it. So I can't tell you (laughs) either way. But um, Bo is Afraid, the latest film from Ari Aster, is getting its physical media release, which leaves us, Matt, with... There can be only one! I'm going to go with Scream 6 getting its release and Blu-ray in 4K. There's an audio commentary featuring the filmmakers... Um, a, a kind of a cast run through. There's a digital exclusive gag reel and some other stuff as well. Uh, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was okay. 
So, Matt, then another 4K release. We talked about the burning. Uh, Invaders from Mars, the 1953 film, the original, mm. is getting a 4K release. And then your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going to go with Twister's Revenge. What do you think it's about? I want you to take a guess. Twister's Revenge. Uh, I guess about a sentient tornado that's going around killing people? Just as likely, but no. Okay. Mr. Twister is a talking monster truck with a oh. mind of its own. Gotcha. When three bumbling crooks try to get their hands on the computerized control system, things get wild. <laughs> of course they do. Which will be streaming this week. Uh, so available on Max is a criminally underseen uh, spy film remake of an old uh, 60s TV show, The Man from Uncle, uh, starring Henry Cable, which is a thumbs up, and Army Hammer, which may be a thumbs down, depending on how you feel about cannibalism. Uh, but it is a fun uh, film. It's a, if you like the kind of spy genre and not taking it super seriously, that's, it's a good one. Yeah, that's a Guy Ritchie joint too, isn't it? Is it? I didn't know that. I didn't realize I that. it is. I, yeah. Man, I've been wanting to see it for a long time. It's supposed to be really good. What's, it's on Max, you say? Yeah, it's on Max. Let's go, Max. All right. Before Zaslav runs it into the ground. Did you hear what happened with Jason Bailey? You wrote an article mm-hmm. about Zaslav and, and HBO and Max. And Zaslav went to, yeah, I think he wrote it in, was it Variety? Or, uh, see, I'm, I'm dropping the ball on this. Whatever he wrote to article for, he went to them and they changed the last two paragraphs of Bailey's article where he was super critical of him. Mm-hmm. And then they end up just pulling the article in its entirety. Wow. You can go to my, I think it's on my personal Twitter account, CG Scalzo. I think I, I retweeted it. If not, just check the first runs one. You can see the what they changed as well. Mm-hmm. But man, they did Bailey dirty on that. That's, uh, man. It, it turns out because the guy, the editor is producing a movie with Warner Brothers. So gotcha. that's why he did it. Yeah. Wow. Nothing like integrity in journalism, right? That's right. All right, Matt. Here's a... Uh, we're gonna Actually, I got ahead of myself. We're now going to share our five favorite Indiana Jones scenes. Mm-hmm. Here's one of mine that I think is great. There's a wonderful callback to it as well in the new film. Didn't quite make the cut. Hopefully, I'm not uh, stepping all over Matt here. Ah, ah, wait. I don't need help. I do. Not the man I knew ten years ago. It's not the years. It's the mileage. Please, I don't need a nurse. I just want to sleep. He's such a baby. Marion, leave me. How's this here? Go away. Yes. Hurts. Wow. Well, goddammit, anywhere doesn't it hurt? Here. Here. This is too bad. You may not know this about it, but about the show, but Matt and I are big softies or big romantics Mm -hmm. and uh, that of course is the uh, though you have the it's not the years it's the mileage yeah but you also have the where does it hurt where doesn't it hurt i should say Mm -hmm. scene as well and the uh, john williams thrusting thrusting i shouldn't use that word swelling (laughs) nope that's bad too but his the strings that come Mm -hmm. up as the romantic swell swell is the right term that's what okay yes Matt, I'll go first. We'll give you the ultimate number one. Right. My fifth favorite Indian Jones scene. I think I'm going to go with the palace dinner. Okay. So this is Temple of Doom. 
and uh, Indy and our crew are going to check out what's happening at the palace. There are uh, the village he's in is the, basically tells them that they've stolen their stone, their magical rock that kind of keeps the the village alive and prosperous, and they've kidnapped all of their children and forced them into slave labor. As their uh, yeah, so Indy goes to check everything out, and it's this famous scene in the film where all the we would find, I think, disgusting different versions of food. There's the, what, the beetles. Mm-hmm. There's the snake that splits open and all the little snakes come out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the classic, the chilled a monkey, but it's, <laughs> um, I feel like I'm missing one, Matt. Which, am I missing one for the I, gross I, I foods? Don't, I don't think so. Was there an eyeball in there? I think there was Yes, eyeballs. there was yeah. the soup with the eyeballs in it. Yes. Yeah, right. So, yeah. that man, that burned into my memory as a kid watching that mm-hmm. in the theater, let me mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah. So, that's my five. So my number five then is um, when uh, Indy rescues his father from Grunwald Castle in The Last Crusade. They hop on a tandem bicycle or motorcycle and they escape from the Nazis. It's an action sequence. He's Indy is is you know fighting off Nazis, making them all crash, uh, killing them left and right. And I think what really sells it for me is. Every time he does that, he kind of laughs and, and gets, you know, pumped up by the action and can't believe everything is happening. And then, of course, Sean Connery is just looking at him with a stare of fatherly disapproval throughout the whole time. And it just ruins Indy's good time. And I think it just really sells the kind of dynamic relationship they have between the two of them. No, that is a good one, too. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I, I got about, like I said, halfway through. Where did I stop? I stopped when, oh, when Hitler signed his the journal. Oh, okay, right, right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah. So I got to finish that at some point, Matt, my number four, then it's the, I don't know if this counts as a scene, but it's the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. It's the beginning, how we're introduced to to Indy. We have the location in the year. No, was it 1936? I can't remember now. I think so. And he's going through the jungle and they're going to try and, and all the little, like, what is it? The, the. There's the idol or something where the bats fly out and everybody mm-hmm. runs away and then yeah. they finally get in and then all the traps that he has to avoid totally sets the tone for everything we're about to see. And it's perfectly, it's one of the, I think, I mean, listen, Raiders is a perfect film. and But it's one of the best depictions of just introductions of a character, I think, in cinematic history. So that's why it's my number four. You know what? It's my number four as well. I shortened it a little bit. I think it's really the escape from the temple um, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole leaning down back and forth, tries to switch the sand and he walks away and things go to shit. I mean, with all of those iconic scenes, just one after the other, um, it really sells what you're in for. And it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. My number three then is, I think, purely focused or at least the, the as we like to say, the juice of it for me, <laughs> is John Williams's score. It's one of my favorite pieces of film music of all time, and that's the map room at dawn in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indy puts the staff in, he's got the right height, he's got the, um, the is it the Eye of Ra? And it shows the location of the Well of the Souls. But as Williams's score just swells again, there we go. Um, it gets louder, and it just—it's one of my favorite pieces of film music of all time. Mm. And just, I get chills whenever I hear it. Mm. So that scene is just an indelible mark on me. So uh, yeah, Raiders and Map Room at Dawn is my uh, number three. Very good. 
All right, so my number three then is I think uh, one of the best little bits of improvisation that are in any of the films, um, maybe of all time, really. Uh, basically, it's Marrakesh. Uh, Indiana Jones and, and Marion Ravenwood are trying to escape when a guy with a huge sword approaches Indy, does a bunch of swirls, flourishes, and Indy just isn't having it and he just pulls out his gun and shoots a dude um obviously this the legend is there was supposed to be a long choreographed fight between the sword wielder and the um Wendy using a whip uh harrison ford was sick didn't feel like doing that so he just improved shooting the guy and steven spielberg liked it so much he just decided to go with it that is a good pick matt that's uh yeah that's good okay so <laughs> I'm looking at my list, Matt, and I just realized I had this problem with doing a live show. My four and three were the same. Oh, boy. So that's no boy now. So I'm going to make a... I'm going to move the Raiders opening to my number two. Okay. All right. And it was just, man, what a hack I am. But we're going to do that. Because I had Raiders opening at number... Or I'm going to be honest with you. This is what happened. I had Raiders opening at two. Mm-hmm. And when I'm going down my list, I had five at Temple Palace, dinner four, I had the tank ambush in Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at my list. I'm like, do I really like it that much? Is it really a top five? Yeah. And then I'm like, no. And I saw in my list of honorable mentions, Raiders opening. I'm like, oh, I didn't have Raiders opening in there? Because usually what happens when I, I make a long list right. and then I'll, cop, I'll cut and paste and then I rearrange the order, right? And I forgot to delete the Raiders opening. So I pulled it real fast. Like, I don't have the opening. Oh, then that would clearly be at least my four. So, um, you know what? Let's do it that. I'm just going to stick with my original guns. So you have Temple Palace dinner opening, Crusade tank ambush. What the hell? We'll make it my four. I still think it's a really thrilling scene. It is. Um, so I'll keep that as my four. Map room at dawn. Raiders opening scene number two. Going to the traps. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Alfred Molina. And go ahead, Matt. Your number two. Then my number two is a bit of a. It just—it's really more of a personal scene. So it's the end of the Last Crusade. They've saved the day. They've you know found the MacGuffin. They're moving on. The bad guys have been defeated, and they come out on their horses. You find out that Indiana Jones is named after the dog. His real name is Henry Jones Jr. Uh, Marcus Brody declares that he's going to lead the way, and then they take off through the desert canyons and the John Williams music swells, which was supposedly for one last time, everything shot in silhouette as they kind of all chase through the, the, the valleys. And then they're literally riding away into the sunset. Um, that's probably, I think my favorite scene of that movie. And it really was the perfect capper until they decided that it wasn't. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, originally, I think in the original screenplay, which I did not know this, I read this read this recently online. Uh, Sean Connery's character was supposed to stay and replace the knight. Oh, okay, really? And guard the Grail. Interesting. But they didn't want they wanted to have more of an up up upbeat ending there. Gotcha. So that's what ended up happening. Makes sense. All right, Matt. So my number one, it's it's the sword gunfight thing. Oh, is it? Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right. Just one of the most indelible moments in the history of cinema. And it's a little th- throwaway kind of thing, but the way they build it up with the sword and everything, and then he just Harrison Ford's delivery, not line delivery, but just his phys- physicality in that mm-hmm. scene. Pitch perfect. It's my favorite Indiana Jones scene. 
Yeah. They're like a little, I'm too old for this shit, sigh, and then he just pulls the gun out and shoots him. Yep. It's, it's lovely. I love it. But my number one then is, of course, again, a, another iconic scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is the opening of the arc itself. And yep. when I saw this as a young child, I was not expecting for people's heads to collapse in on themselves, faces to be melting off, or stuff to be exploding. Uh, so that's that's my number one because oh it was God. just the overall power of uh, of of God and and the Ark and the destruction of the wicked. So here's here's all right. Here's when I am an idiot. I am an idiot. <laughs> yes. <sighs> my list was correct. Mm. You know, because I had Ark opening as my number two. Oh, okay. And I, what happened is I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I read that as the Raiders of the Lost Ark opening scene. Gotcha. Okay. That's why I had Ark opening. That That's why it was there. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, my God. So you're not, you're not an idiot in the way that you thought you were. <laughs> you're an idiot in a different way. <laughs> yes. Let me tell you, folks. I just got back from Asheville late last night. And I've been running around all day, and I have a playoff softball game tonight. And I, I just, we're doing this Thursday night. The show launches basically in like four hours. Right. So it is, I've been panicked all day about this. Mm-hmm. And so when I reread my list, I'm, yeah, I'm an absolute idiot. All right, Temple Palestiner. The opening scenes of Raiders of the Lost Ark is my four. Map Room at Dawn is three. The opening of the arc as the Nazis' faces implode, explode, and melt. Mm-hmm. This is my number two, and then the sword versus the gun is one. That is my list. My top four are all from the same film, but <laughs> I am an idiot. All right, so I'm going to tell you about honorable mentions. So we were okay. talking about the Crusade tank ambush. The opening of the Temple of Doom, I think, is a lot of fun yeah, as well. Um, the trapped room in Temple, when they get stuck in it, yeah. and then they almost get stuck in it again. And uh, Last Crusade, when uh, the guy chooses poorly. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Indy's just crazy-ass decision to cut the, the rope bridge in Temple of Doom. Yeah. Those are all great, and they were all in consideration. I think the only ones I would add is uh, Mola Ram, removing Homeboy's heart uh, mm. as part of the sacrifice. That really, again, blew my mind as a little kid. And then uh, I think... Uh, it was kind of fun to see uh, young Indiana Jones, River Phoenix, being playing young Indiana Jones at the beginning of Last Crusade. You know, seeing the advent of the whip, where he got his scar from, the foundations of his fear of of, uh, of snakes, and then, you know, his entire look as an adult, where he got that, where he copped that that look from. That I love when he, the guy puts the hat down on him, on his yeah. head, and then the transitions to him in modern times. Yeah. That belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you, Dr. Jones. All right. So there you go, folks. Listen, we'd love to hear what your favorite Indiana Jones scenes are. I think it's sad that we didn't get any Crystal Skull love in this at all. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't. But there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Send them to me in any order you want. In fact, if you want to send me a list of five and then change it and send it to me again like I just did, go ahead. Feedback at thefirstrun.com because I am an idiot. <sighs> All right. Well, Matt, we, we got through it. So why don't you uh, tell the fine folks what's coming up next week? We're checking out uh, the last entry with Insidious the Red Door. 
And it's, I believe this is uh, they got Patrick Wilson to come back by saying, "You can direct this one, Pancakes." Oh, I didn't. I did not know that Patty Cakes uh, directed this. Yes. So I'll have to see how that turns out. And uh, that's it. In the meantime, check us out on thefirstrun.com, also at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Man, Twitter's woof. That thing is... It's getting worse by the day. It's getting harder and harder to stay around. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying it, though. Are you? Yeah, I'm a bit of a, a masochist. I, I like watching the suffering. Uh, so it's good. Weird. All right, where were we? Yeah, and also go over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess that's it, Matt. All right, so why don't we go ahead, take an extended break. We love you very much. Hope you had a good 4th of July. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Can I stop it? I forgot. Criterion Collection. Barnes & Noble sale, live this month, right now. 50% off all the Criterion Collection at Barnes & Noble. So jump on it, folks. I got my 4K copy of Moon Age Daydream all ready to go as soon as it comes out. I already turned in my Blu-ray copy to the good folks over here at Viper Video. He kindly gave me like five bucks for it. I'm like, good enough. Mm. And I'm going to get that 4K soon enough. So Criterion sale. There we go. Where were we? Take care of ourselves. <laughs> we love you very much. See you soon. Fucking nonsense, huh? I can't close them. Nobody can close them. They're old. They're ancient. A bunch of fucking nonsense. Get some jerk to come in there. Sometimes just think, you know, uh, I wonder if I belong in this business. Then a guy out there, no support, no confidence. Then I say, nobody can close them. Then I look at Roma. Roma, fuck Roma. I had a freak, a couple, you know, a little run of luck. The leads are garbage. Then I say, then I say, why give him the good leads? He doesn't need them. You going out? Yeah. I, I, I have to go out. Uh, I can't make a sit. Did you try it? Yeah, something, something's wrong with me. What is I, I I can't push through. Hey, get your coat on. You come out with me. Something in me. Again. Oh. I try, I try. I, I can't forget it. Come on. I can't close it.